0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 145. This is part two of our NCAA ranking pod. Today would have been the day, it would have been the national championship. Unfortunately, that's not happening. Um, but Sean and I ranked our top three national championships since 1990. If you disagree, shoot us a tweet at Sorry Sports, or if you just have some support for us, the Twitter is always there, always lurking. Um, follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, sorry underscore sports, shoot us an email, sorrysports at yahoo.com, and check out the website. We have some good content running there now, greatest website in the world, sorrysports.com. Everybody stay in, stay safe. Hopefully this quarantining will come to an end. doesn't look like it, but, you know, fingers crossed. Enjoy the pod, and we will talk to you later in the week. morning love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I I know it's gonna be
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to part two of our final four extravaganza on the night that would have been the national championship game. Tom, another great song. You've been on a roll, baby. Uh, give us a little background on this one.
0: Yeah, so today we have Lovely Day by Bill Withers. I felt like it was necessary to have at least one Bill Withers song in here. Uh, this happens to be my personal favorite Bill Withers song. Obviously, people know him for Ain't No Sunshine and a few other songs. This is my favorite. He recently passed away on March 30th, so R.I.P. to him. A little background story on the song as well as him. Reached number 30 on the Billboard 100. Definitely should be higher than that. Came out in 1977 um, from the album Menagerie. And Bill Withers, a veteran. Did you know that? I did not. Navy man enlisted at the age of 17 served nine years started writing songs while he was in the Navy. Um, and I already mentioned some of his hit songs, just an overall great artist on some big, uh, record labels, Columbia records, few others. Um, just an interesting guy.
1: Very cool, man. You have been on a roll with the music. I, I dug this one. I know you send me it every night the night before of what you're going to play. And, uh, i really have enjoyed the three and uh definitely let's keep it going
0: yeah i like to think i'm a i'm a pretty good dj oh
1: expand everybody's repertoires right music wise like yeah some people give that a a listen yeah this is a good time to do it so how many many times
0: can you listen to uh the tootsie dance whatever by drake like you know expand yourself a little bit
1: there you go that's that's your challenge to everybody right
0: yeah how you holding up out there in the cold world
1: <laughs> we're doing alright man I mean this this podcast uh, project of ours is, You know gave me a couple good days To to focus on something else But we're doing alright How about you?
0: Um, I think I'm officially losing my mind Today might have been the day Um, I need a haircut you bro- you,
1: Today broke you today huh?
0: Yeah well you know I decided to vacuum my apartment It's a one bedroom apartment I live by myself I don't live in a cavernous mansion As you do um, with your We'll just say significant other Mike. Um, But, you know. You've been
1: so good at, like, just (laughs) being chill. And now, because you've lost your mind, that gives you an opportunity. By the way, Frenchie has not been around all that much. He's been at his girlfriend's, like, very frequently. So I have had this cavernous mansion to myself.
0: Well, you know, I would persecute Frenchie for not social distancing, but. I've been guilty of seeing my girlfriend multiple times as well, so I can't really be a hypocrite there. But yeah, I was vacuuming today, and usually, you know, you clean the apartment, you go through a quick vacuum, and you go on your way. But I just found myself picking up every piece of whatever that the vacuum didn't pick up. And it's like, the vacuum's not going to get everything. And in regular life, I don't really care about that. Maybe it'll get it next time, you know, as long as my apartment is clean and livable, I'm a clean human being. But now I'm just picking up every single piece which is making me lose my mind more because I have nothing else to do. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, I'm going over first world problems here. I know this doesn't matter in the grand scheme. I need a haircut like you wouldn't believe. I'm actually thinking about going to the store to CVS maybe and getting blonde hair dye. And I'm going to go, I might bleach my hair.
1: Oh, dude, please don't.
0: No, nah, I mean, listen, too, like Eminem did it, Bieber did it. I think it's time for the trifecta of Swaggy... Are you putting,
1: wait, let me, let me ask you a qu- Are you putting yourself in the category of Eminem and Bieber? I am.
0: I am. In this scenario, yes. Oh, come on. I think it's time for the third for the third of the trilogy of Swaggy White Dudes to dye their hair no. blonde.
1: No. I, li- I like your music choices. I like the swag you've had going on. You seem like you're in a good place throughout this whole thing up until now. Don't let this be... Don't let this be the reason you do this, man. Uh, I'll, I'll talk you down after this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I don't care how long we got to be on the phone. I'll talk you down. You can't do it.
0: Haven't thought of any new ideas. I, I haven't even had 24 hours. so That's fine. That's
1: fine. You ready to do this shit or what?
0: Let's get into it.
1: All right, guys. So today we are giving, as promised yesterday, our top three national title games. And just quick, get this off the bat here. Tom, you and I agreed on all three of these games. I know I did my list first, which means that I picked a really good top three.
0: Yeah, I don't really think you can argue with the three of these games. In my opinion, since 1990, these are the three best. I mean, you want to talk about the UNC game in 82 with Jordan hitting the game winner. You already mentioned um, Larry Bird and Magic. Those games are all timers, but I think these are... The three best games since and you really can't argue with it there's a few honorable mentions we might talk about one towards the end but yeah these these three are the key right here yeah
1: no absolutely and, and it was good to be synced up i mean honestly we've been pretty much together this whole final four run i mean you you picked that georgetown ohio state game last night i i, I had that michigan and uh kentucky game But anyway, man, let's get into this. Um, We'll give the three and then go in order like we did last night. So we have number three, the 2008 National Championship game, uh, better known as the Mario Chalmers game. Kansas wins 75-68 in overtime after Chalmers hit a shot with two seconds left, a three, to tie it. Um, Number two, we have UNC Michigan from 1993, the game after Michigan beat Kentucky. Uh, They failed to capture the national championship, losing to a pretty deep, not great, but really deep North Carolina team, 77-71. And then um, number one, it's going to sound like recency bias, but just watch the damn game. Villanova over North Carolina, 77-74 in 2016. Anytime a buzzer beater to win a championship, which has been done only once, and it was this game, happens, it has to be number one on this list.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, To talk about the number one seed, in my opinion, the greatest college basketball game, one of the greatest basketball games I've ever seen. Not just the buzzer beater at the end, but just the game throughout. I don't think there was ever a double-digit lead from either side, but we'll get into that when we get to number one.
1: Yeah, it it was an absolutely fantastic game. Um, So let's start off, buddy, with number three, the aforementioned 2008 National Championship game between Kansas and Memphis, the Mario Chalmers game. So before we get into how we got to that point, I just want a quick disclaimer. This game is not on the list because it was a great game, but it had an all-time moment. And I think that puts it into that top three because of that moment. As long as national championship montages are played, that Chalmers shot is going to be at the front of the list, right?
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And honestly, out of the three games that we had, I mean, I know 2016 is pretty recent, but those players have been in the league or out of the league for a while. I think this game had by far the most talent in it out of the three games, and that's even including the Fab Five.
1: Yeah, this game was really—it it, it was deep. I mean, pros. a lot of NBA players. long well, longtime NBA players too. Yeah, and you had you had a superstar in Derrick Rose in this game, who we'll talk about as the game goes on. He was starting to have kind of that Jeff Green uh, look there early yep. on. I mean, absolutely—he
0: made up for it towards the, the first end. Half. But- yeah, yeah he, he,
1: he picked it up later on, but in that first half, he was absolutely nothing. Let's start on to this game. Memphis leads
0: 9-5. Joe Dorsey
1: come out. establishing and,
0: his dominance early.
1: Yep. Um, Sean Taggart and uh, Robert Dozier ended up both picking up two fouls early on. Um the game was tied at 13 at under 12. What's that?
0: I said foul trouble is the theme here. You're going to lose the game if you get yourself into foul trouble. It's a simple simple thing.
1: Yeah, and these guys weren't big scorers for them, but they were big-time defensive players and impact players for Memphis. And for them to each pick up two fouls at under 12 to go took them out of the first half. Kansas leads 24-21. Uh, with 7.25 left in the first half, Rose really wasn't doing anything. At the under-four timeout, the game was tied at 28. And then at the end of the first half, Kansas has a five-point lead. Rose, these first-half stats are crazy, man. He has three points. He's one of four from the field, so clearly not being aggressive. And he had three turnovers.
0: Here's my thing, not only with Derek Rose, but with the head coach, who we all know is John Calipari, I've spoken about it on the pod before. John Calipari shrinks in big games. I think it one was terrible coaching by Calipari. And Derrick Rose just looks scared out there to start the game. Calipari needs to get in his ear and say, you need to have the ball in your hand at all times. There was multiple possessions where after bringing the ball up, Derrick Rose did not touch the ball again. And you could see it in glimpses. Derrick Rose could go by anybody at any time and draw an n one, draw a foul, or put up a shot or set up a guy for an open jump shot, whether it went in or not, didn't matter. He needed to attack the rim maybe 10, 12 times more than he did in the first half?
1: Yeah, easily. But, I mean, I'll agree with you in principle on Calipari, but would you really put that on him? I feel like best player on the floor.
0: I put this game on Calipari. I put this game on Calipari completely. He, he, he miscoached this game terribly. Obviously, the D-Rose thing's pretty glaring, not to mention, I think, and my favorite player in this game, and I know you have a soft spot in your heart with him playing a couple of years for the Brooklyn Nets, Chris Douglas-Roberts, who had a good game. I think he needed a lot more touches as well.
1: Well, actually, a couple things. One, he was in New Jersey Net, so didn't quite make the trip over to Brooklyn. No, he did not, um, but... I was just but, naming the
0: current team.
1: But, yeah, he was he was a draft pick for the Nets. And, I was so high he, on him.
0: I don't know. I guess I missed on him, but his herky-jerky game, he could knock down a shot. He was long. He could defend. I think he was SEC player of the year that year. Um, Conference was, USA. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Are they in the I'm – so, I'm thinking about Cal. I know he's in the SEC now. As well as an All-American. I, I just think he should have had a better career.
1: He could have. I don't really know what his game was because even in this game, he was getting his and he was playing well, but he seemed looking back retrospectively like just one of those guys who was a really nice college player, but his game didn't really fit in the pros because he wasn't a good enough three-point shooter. Yeah, and he wasn't wasn't athletic enough. He wasn't fluid enough to get his own shot when he wanted, and he wasn't proficient enough as a shooter to you know, be able to make those mid-range shots in the NBA. So I don't know. I definitely liked it when we got him, because that was at the point where, hey, if you have a nice college career, you're an exciting prospect, even if your game doesn't necessarily translate to the pro level. But I want to fight back on the Calipari thing with you just a little bit, because I do believe that he has his shortcomings as the head coach, and despite all the great teams he's had, he only has one national championship for a reason. But everybody in the building knew that Derrick Rose was the best player on the floor, and I don't think Calipari needs to do much more. I think it's like it's not just a Derrick Rose thing. How about you just decide (laughs) this is my moment on the national stage? No one can stop me. And I'm just gonna take over. He looked like he didn't want any part of the basketball game in the first
0: half. I completely agree with you on that. And Derek Rose definitely shoulders some blame for me, but I still put this game on Calipari because there was at least ten possessions in the first half where they have either Dorsey or another big man. Their names are deceiving me because I don't. Frankly, I don't care about them. Sorry, no yeah, fans. Still yeah, welcome yeah, on the pod. Dozier-
1: and yet, Dozier, Tagger, and Antonio Anderson.
0: And these guys were taking contested shots from the free throw line, just low percentage shots. After you see three of those, Cal's got to call a timeout. I'm sorry. And for yeah. a guy who's <laughs> jumping up and down on the sidelines and screaming at his guys to keep those timeouts in his pocket, they could have sealed this game in the first half.
1: Yeah, you could have. I mean, as, as we dissect the game going deeper into it, I don't know if it necessarily would have mattered because of their uh, absolutely atrocious free throw shooting. But you're right. This game didn't have much of a flow. It was physical. It was very helter-skelter. But I think you could put a lot of it on Bill Self, too, because this Kansas team was ready to make a bunch of runs, and they never quite did. And I don't know. To me, you're the best player on the floor. You've been the best player in the tournament. You're going to be the number one pick. Like, just take over. I don't think you need your coach to tell you that you can blow past Mario Chalmers or Brandon Rush every single time on the floor. But to your point, I get it. I mean, it it certainly fits the narrative, right, of why Calipari only has one championship. And I think also on the other side, it, it speaks to why Bill Self only has one championship, this one.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, my whole case with Calipari and the reason why Memphis lost this game was obviously bad free-throw shooting and also a lot of silly fouls. I mean, Dorsey fouled out um, at the end of that game, and he couldn't play in overtime, Um but with Coach Cal, I just thought it was the. I thought he was the other key to the game of why they lost. I'm still gonna say it was bad coaching by him. And again, I think they could have won this game in regulation.
1: Okay, I mean it definitely presented itself to be that way, right? So we mentioned Kansas had a five point lead at the end of the first half. When you go into the second half with 15, 15 left in regulation, Kansas is up by one. Dorsey picks up his third foul under 12 timeout. Kansas leads by one. Memphis takes the lead after Derrick Rose decides that he's going to start being a focal point in the game. He 10 the, straight the under. Yeah, at the under eight timeout, scores the ten straight. Kansas eventually now is by is trailing by four with five fifteen left, and this is at a point where they hadn't scored in three minutes and thirty eight seconds, which goes to show again, Bill Self, he wasn't calling timeouts either. He was just letting his guys play when clearly there was no one who was ready to take a shot there were no real sets they were missing layups and again when the moment happens this game deserves to be ranked but this was not a clean or well-played well-played game at all it was really the antithesis of that villanova north carolina game uh eight years later
0: yeah um and i want to talk about the second biggest shot in this game you said about We're we're into the second half, about five minutes left, four minutes and ten seconds with three seconds left on the shot clock. I'm sure you remember this shot. Derrick Rose banks in what was a three, but then they took a second look at it, and it ended up being a two. Now, if you don't remember, Chalmers had to hit that three to tie the game. That three doesn't matter if that counts as a three-point basket as opposed to a two-point basket. Now, I know a lot of things happen in the next four minutes and nine seconds, but that says a lot right there.
1: Oh, it absolutely does. And and I want to get your take on this too, man, because I was watching it and it, I, I kept trying to understand it, and I know the rules, but even – With the rules and at that point, that shot is so rarely called back to a two. Because even though he started his shooting motion with his foot on the line... By the time he releases the ball, he's completely behind the three-point line. I don't know if that That gets changed.
0: The other thing I found interesting was when he took off, I don't know if I didn't watch the replay close enough, but it looks like the first foot to go up in the air was the foot that was inside the two-point line. So don't you count it as the last foot to leave the ground, which was beyond the three-point line? I think in today's
1: college basketball, that's a three.
0: I think they should have let him play and left it as is. If it's a bang-bang call like that, you know, Ty goes to the runner, give him the three ball.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And that obviously, you know, if you play the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, that is That's the, the, game. The, the, the one point that decides the game. But all right, so we keep going on here. Dorsey fouls out for Memphis with a minute and 23 left. They're up six. And... Prior to that at the what I have here at the 212 mark, Bill self decides he's going to just start intentionally fouling one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. He also, which is really staggering.
0: He also did a great coaching job towards the end when he put them in that 1-2-2 zone. Stopping Derrick Rose from being able to penetrate whenever he wanted.
1: He did. And he said, "You know what? I don't give a shit how good Memphis is." Everybody knows in college basketball the difference between the teams that win and teams that lose, regardless of talent, is your ability to hit free throws down the stretch. So much so, man, that Memphis misses four of their last five free throws in regulation that would have sealed the deal. We talk about that missed call, whatever, how big of a change that was with the Derrick Rose three that turned into a two. All you have to do is make one, of, one more of those free throws, go two of five. And you're the national champions. And the fact that they couldn't do it is incredible. They finished 12 of 19 from the free throw line. And again, missing four of your last five to end regulation. And it just looked to me, Chris Douglas Roberts didn't want any part of it. Derek Rose didn't want any part of it. Uh, Antonio Anderson didn't want any part of it. None of these guys were equipped to go to the line and say, I'm sinking these things.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, you can't take anything away from Cal there. you got to make it free throws, especially because Derrick Rose was shooting well above 80% from the line. So Chris Douglas-Roberts was above 70. They just froze up.
1: They just froze up, and that was, their, that was their Achilles heel the entire season. And it really is amazing when you look back at their stats, how they got that far. I mean, Derrick Rose... They got that far
0: because their margin of victory was 21 points. They they, they they weren't in close games like that.
1: Right, but again, even with, because you know even in those blowouts they were missing free throws, it just speaks to Calipari's template, we'll say, for, for a team where it's a young player who's great, he'll carry you to wins over inferior teams, but... They there's a reason he has one championship, right? And if you watched, again, like what we mentioned last night, that Wisconsin game in 2015, they struggled from the line in that game too. Uh, all of those guys, even the Harrison twins, just weren't able to make free throws down the stretch in big, yep. in big moments, and it really started here in 08. In
0: Another thing that I um, that I think was huge for Kansas in, in coming back, being able to force overtime and eventually win this game, and I think this speaks to Bill Self's decent coaching and just a really well coached team overall. They didn't have a single turnover in the second half.
1: No, and that was a that was a veteran team that had a lot of guys that were low turnover guys. They weren't risky players. And even though they had some issues there in the first half, they were able to come together, calm things down, really dictate the pace, play a game the style that they wanted to in the last four minutes of this game i mean so we'll talk about here after rose misses one of his two free throws chalmers comes down the floor gets the offload pass hits the three at the top of the key rolling ties the game with two seconds left and when you go back uh, dating back to regulation with four in, in the last four minutes and 40 seconds left of play. We're obviously now in overtime. Kansas goes on an 18 to three run. To talk about dictating the pace and playing the game. You want to obviously part of that run is Memphis just botching free throw after free throw, but they clearly were able to establish their style of play, which, you know, allowed them to go on that monster run. 18 to three is absurd.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And watching that overtime, I really didn't even have to watch much of it. You could just tell that, can't, that, that um, Memphis was broken after that after that three went in, and they weren't ready for that overtime. And another thing, I think losing Dorsey in regulation, you saw all the offensive rebounds Kansas gets and whatnot, all the inside points. I mean, that's a huge loss right there. Obviously, he fouled out. Foul trouble, free throws, and bad coaching were my reasons for uh, Memphis losing this game those are good reasons i,
1: I think think Perry definitely fucked up a lot um i don't know if i want to necessarily pin rose's performance on him or even their free throw shooting well those you can't you can't pin the free throw won. shooting
0: but no. you can pin some of the bad decision making calling bad timeouts or not calling timeouts in the right situation and just not being a good coach during that game in my opinion
1: Well, to your point and why you've been so—he's a great cheerleader. He's
0: a great recruiter.
1: Yeah. Well, to like I was just gonna say. I mean, to your point and why you've been so rock steady on his on where you stand with him as a coach, he seems to be incredibly frantic in the biggest moments, and his team takes on that persona.
0: Yep. And I mean, and that's not good. Every team takes on their coach's personality, and he's calm, cool, and collected. SEC championship games all throughout the regular season, early turning games, but then when when you turn up the heat on him, you get to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and the National Championship game. Unless you have by far one of the greatest college basketball players of all time and one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time led by Anthony Davis, you're not going to win.
1: No, and there were even doubts that year as to whether they were going to be able to seal the deal or not. I think that was due to him. Oh, I I absolutely agree. Uh, You know, he got his revenge on Bill Self four years later when he's with Kentucky. But just to give some game stats here, man, because, you know, we talked about Rose. He did finish with 18.6 points, eight assists.
0: Who's your player of the game? Uh, I didn't pick Mario Chalmers, just to say.
1: I didn't either, um, although he did finish with 18, three assists, and shot two of six from three, including that game tying shot. You know, Darrell Arthur finished with a double-double. Eight yep. points, 10 boards, shot 9 of 13 from the field. From that's, the field. I have. that's That's a good game.
0: That's absolutely who I have, Darrell Arthur. I think he was steady throughout the entire game, and I think he was the best player on the floor that night.
1: You know who gave them a huge spark was um, Sharon Collins.
0: Oh, absolutely. 11
1: points and six board, or six assists, four boards, and shot one of four from three. If you go to the Memphis side, CDR did finish with 22.
0: I think Chris Douglas Roberts is the second best player in this game. I don't think, aside from his missed free throws, which I believe he went one for three down the stretch, if I can remember correctly, maybe something like that, two for four, I don't know. Um, but he wasn't the reason why they lost at all.
1: No, he was not. No, I'm in total agreement with you there. Just to finish up with some team stats here, Kansas, they hit the most important three of the game, but they only shot three of 12 from three. But here's the money stat, man. They go 14 of 15 from the free throw line. And in college basketball, that's what wins. Conversely, as I mentioned before, Memphis is 12 of 19 from the free throw line, missing four of their last five. They shot six of 22 from three. So they took 10 more threes than Kansas did and only made six of them. So they only made three more threes than Kansas did and took 10 more. And And that's not going to win you many
0: games.
1: Yeah, that's just not going to win you a lot of games. It is what it is.
0: All right, so you have player of the game, as do I, with Darrell Arthur. Obviously, Chalmers, Chalmers hits the biggest shot. He was a huge part of the game, but I think you don't win that game without Darrell Arthur's performance. And then the best player in the game, in my opinion, even with his injuries, youngest MVP in the NBA of all time, multiple-time All-Star, still doing it to this day, coming off the bench. That's Derek Rose.
1: No argument, and it's not even close. I will oh. give Mario Chalmers some credit. He, he was the starting point guard on those two Miami teams that won championships, and he seemed to have played well. And I remember him hitting some big shots in big games in the NBA, too.
0: But, I mean, I think in this game, out of the three games, you have more pros. I mean, Brandon Rush had a run in the NBA. Joey Dorsey played for the Rockets and the Raptors. Um, Obviously, you have Derrick Rose as well as Chris Douglas-Roberts. And um, the backup center Khan, ended up getting a ring with the 16 Cavs, and I'm thinking I'm missing a few. Darrell Arthur had a 10-year. Darrell NBA Arthur had a NBA. couple
1: years there. Yeah.
0: 10 straight, my friend. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was always. I look at this Kansas team. Even Sharon Collins and none of, played in the NBA.
1: None of these guys were great NBA players, but they were all very serviceable. Eighth, ninth, maybe seventh guys on a team. We mentioned Chalmers started on those Miami teams. I would say that's pretty good. It reminds me of a couple of those Duke teams that we talked about that didn't have a lot of great pros, but a lot of pros. And UNLV had that too in 91, right?
0: So only one star.
1: Yeah, exactly. These were proven NBA players that were serviceable role guys for a long time. And in college, that matters.
0: Yep. All right, so let's move on to our number two seed, which is University of North Carolina versus Michigan back in nineteen ninety three. Sean, how old were you then? Uh,
1: I was one and a half.
0: I was negative one and a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was born in the fall of ninety
0: one, so birthday's coming up, same as mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, you keep saying coming up. We're not really that close, but...
0: Sean, what do you have to look forward to? Aside from being able to go outside and communicate with other human beings at some point, what do you have to look forward to? Because I don't have anything.
1: Um, eventually, sports comes back. Uh, that? I don't have...
0: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Not to not to bring you down <laughs> to my level of depression right now.
1: <laughs> You're such an asshole. I'm trying to stay positive here. I'm Get sorry.
0: Get back to the games. Um. Yeah. I mean, they're they're still doing the Nike protests, A few of them. So that was my first ob- observation.
1: Yeah, that was constant the whole year.
0: Yeah. Um. First observation I saw of the game. Was that C-Web and one of my reasons for them losing this game, C-Web was a big reason why they lost their game, um, was he should have abused Montas the entire game and he didn't.
1: It's hard, man. I mean, Montas was a guy who, he's a hard matchup. And I thought Weber played really well. I'm not going to say he's the reason they lost this game, even though he has an all-time blunder. They were down three at that point. Listen, well, so my
0: thing is that if you can get this guy Montross, because Weber, let's just face it, is a thousand times better than him. If you can feed Weber the ball a little bit more in the first half and get Montross into foul trouble, then this is we're talking about a different game here.
1: We are, but I, I will say this. It's kind of a weird take but i think the what did them in the most as far as strategy is concerned is the fact that jimmy king actually played really well if he played the way he did in the kentucky game i think you see a whole lot more chris weber but king was hitting shots and michigan was pretty good another thing that hurt them was ray jackson picks up his second foul he was trash into the game so he's not able to do anything and you see this revolving door of Eric Riley and Rob Polinka Rob Polinka was uh,
0: money this game.
1: He was he, he he made two big threes, you know, at the under 12 point. Michigan went up 23-15. They started the game down 5. 9-4 And then out of the timeout, they come and they hit three consecutive threes, two Palenka ones and one Rose one. And they go on a 19-3 run to take a 23-15 lead.
0: Um,
1: At the under-eight timeout, the game's tied at 25. UNC goes on a little run of their own 7-0. Under-four timeout, North Carolina's up one. And at the half, UNC's up 42-36. They have a nice little six-point command of this game. Weber sat for the final 330 of the first half just to give him a blow and make sure he was good to go. I think that was when Montross was able to take a lot of advantage. But also, Dean Smith shows why he's one of, if not the best coach in the history of college basketball. I mean, you got John Wooden and Krzyzewski, obviously, and Bobby Knight, too. But he, he worked his bench to absolute perfection. In
0: this game. Yeah, I had that as that one of my notes. I wrote Dean Smith completely out-coached, um, what's his name again? He, co- he coached the San Diego State too. Steve though. Fisher. Steve Fisher throughout the whole game. I mean, between the trap, that classic UNC basketball right there, his substitutions, even the plays drawn up on out-of-bounds play. I know they had the back cut that turned into an alley-oop, but there was a lot more that got them buckets. And just overall offense.
1: Yeah, no, they were great, but they were also deeper. Like, I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm looking up and down here. You got Brian Reese. You got Kevin Salvatore, who played very, who played a lot of big minutes. Pat Sullivan, yeah. Henrik Rodel. Michigan didn't have those guys.
0: No, Michigan. They were only. Aside, they were
1: only too deep, really, on the bench between Riley and Polinka.
0: Yeah, Riley, the big seven-footer, and then Polinka, who can obviously knock down a shot, and he's smart with the basketball. Aside from that, their bench, a couple other guys came in, but did absolutely nothing. They were complete garbage. Well, to Dean Smith's credit, I mean, he knew he had
1: the advantage there, where he could,
0: you know, really,
1: yeah, he he could work that bench, knowing that he had the advantage just as far as personnel was concerned, and massage that bench and say, okay, Weber's out, Montrose, you're going to play, and then Weber, you're coming back in. We're going to bring in Pat Sullivan to to you know acquire some of these fouls or hard minutes, because when the game eventually went down the stretch, which we'll get to. They were just the fresher team, and it wasn't even close.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we're, we're moving into the second half here. Obviously, it's, it's all Michigan to start. Um, but UNC stuck around. They stuck to their game plan. Obviously, good coaching by Dean Smith. But on paper, right before that TV timeout where North Carolina settled down, um, I wrote down that if if we were watching this game live, on paper UNC or sorry Michigan should probably have won this game by eight to ten points, just right there. Yes,
1: yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you there, man. I mean, there this game was ready to be seized by Michigan and they didn't take it. North Carolina, though, I give them credit because you know it doesn't just take one team to collapse; it takes another team to to. Stave them off and north carolina did a really good job of staying in this game when it looked like it could have gotten away from them
0: yeah absolutely and again I, i couldn't give dean smith enough credit um that's just good coaching
1: that's why he's one of the best of all time so let's take it to this point there's 228 to go north carolina's up one unc calls a timeout and both teams decide okay this is where the championship is decided we're gonna just deploy all of our starting both of our starting fives. So all ten starters are on the floor at the two twenty eight mark. Michigan forces a North Carolina turnover on an inbound play, trailing by three with forty two seconds left. Yep. Um, I believe that was I believe that was Brian Reese that that stepped on the that stepped on the line. Yeah he stepped on the caught, uh,
0: corner line there.
1: Yeah, that, that allowed Michigan to get the ball back. So now you're thinking, okay, they're down three. There's time for them to make a shot and foul. And we get all the way down where Pat Sullivan gets fouled and Weber, here comes, you know, one of the most iconic sequences in in college basketball history, right? So Sullivan goes one of two from the line, hits the first, misses the second. Weber gets a tough board. And one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough blatantly travels... Well, North I think Carolina that's the reason bench why he turned it over. Screaming up and down. What the fuck? And then he's just... I think what you were just going to say, he's just in panic and decides, I'm going to make a beeline to the bench and call timeout. Which they didn't have.
0: Of course. Well, yeah, because he didn't have any timeouts left. Obviously, one of the most iconic... I don't want to call it a play, but blunders in college basketball history. I think that's a combination of... I guess a little bit of bad coaching, um, and not having a deep enough bench. I think all the guys out there were tired. And then I think Weber and those other guys just wanted that championship so bad. And there there was a blunder there. Not to mention all these guys, there was I don't think there was any Michigan players back that were ball handlers to get that ball. If you're Jalen Rose or Jackson or King... Or even if Palenko was in the game, one of those guys that handles the ball, you got to be running towards Chris Webber because I know he's got a good handle. But in that situation, you need to have an experienced ball handler bringing the ball up. No doubt. Yeah, you don't want
1: Chris Webber running the floor. Because you know with... what they, you
0: know what North Carolina did? They immediately put a trap on him. They did. And yeah, they pressured and him they, into a and timeout.
1: They, and they frazzled him, and he clearly wasn't ready. For that and he was just looking for a security blanket. But uh, did you watch the Fab Five documentary that came out like eight years ago, nine years ago? Yep. Yeah, so I mean, it was. Of course, Weber you know, wasn't
0: no, in no it. No. I don't think Weber is cool with the other Michigan guys. I think he left a year earlier than everybody else. I mean, he was the number one overall pick, so wasn't a bad move by him, but I, I don't think he's cool with them right now.
1: I think some of them are better with each other over the last couple of years, but, you know, when you watch that documentary, they go deep into that moment and really dissect it, and Jimmy King, Jalen Rose, and Ray Jackson all say it was made abundantly clear when Fisher called his last time out that that was the last one.
0: You know, when you're in the heat of the moment... You're not thinking about that, unfortunately. He's probably called that timeout a million times.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, it's just you you travel and get away with it, and the moment is just happening so fast that you can't even believe that you're in the position where you're taking the ball up the floor down three with a chance to tie a national championship game, one that they thought they should have won going away. And you know, you just kind of shut down cognitively yep. and it's it's the mind-body relationship is just not there. And you know, it shows again why a lot of young teams, I know this was their second year in the Final Four and National Championship, but it goes to show why a lot of young teams don't win it. Because yep. they those mental components of college basketball in addition to make being able to make, make clutch free throws. throws down the stretch, which we talked about in the last game, those are the keys and seem to be always the theme of teams that
0: win. Absolutely. Um, so, in this game, who is your most important player? Oh man.
1: I would probably still say Weber. He finished with 23 points, 11 boards, blocked three shots, shot 11 of 17 from the field. I still felt like every time he was out there, he was the best player on the floor, right?
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I went with Donald Williams just because they won. He had 25. He had a lot of huge three pointers, and he played good defense. Five of seven
1: from three, man.
0: Yeah, and a lot. Of, nobody was, was been... taking five threes in college basketball back then. Or excuse me, seven. <laughs>
1: Seven and making five. I mean, I think that was kind of what Dale Brown wanted was going to really be able to do if he didn't get hurt in the game before for Kentucky. But I just want to talk about the scoring and the stats here before we get to the team stats. You know, these individual guys, you look at this North Carolina team and this North Carolina team reminds me a lot of the 99 UConn team that beat Duke. You know, they didn't. I mean, UConn had Rip Hamilton. North Carolina didn't have a Rip Hamilton. But look at the balance here. You had, you had obviously, Donald Williams. You had the 25 and 5-7. Was Ray three. Allen on
0: that squad? Yeah.
1: No, that was just Rip. That was after Ray. But you had Derek Phelps here for North Carolina. Nine points, three boards, three steals, three assists. Montross, the big center, 16 points, five boards in a block. George Lynch has 12 points, two blocks, ten boards. Brian Reese has eight points, five boards, three assists. And you get guys like Salvatore, who plays 18 minutes, Pat Sullivan plays 14 minutes, and Henrik Rodel plays 11. The team goes 5 of 11 from 3, which is a nice high percentage. 18 of 23 from they the free throw They went 5 line of 11? Five, 5 of 11
0: from 3. Okay, so Donald and, Williams went five, went 5 and the rest of the team went 0. Right,
1: but that's still a good percentage. I mean, that means that they had guys here that were taking
0: intelligent
1: shots. I'll actually do a better comp. This this isn't as much UConn 99. This is more Kansas of 08.
0: Yeah. I think Kansas, I, in my opinion, this North Carolina team is by far the least talented team of all these guys, of all these seeds, because you got NBA guys on Memphis. You got NBA guys on Kansas. And then our, our top seed, Villanova, has a few that are still in the NBA, as well as that UNC team. And obviously, this Michigan team has some NBA guys. I don't think there was a, I looked it up. I don't think there was a single long NBA guy on this team.
1: No, this was just a very good college basketball team. For yeah. Michigan to finish up the Fab Five era, we mentioned Weber's 23-11, three blocks. You have Rose, who had 12 points, four assists, two of six from three. He turned the ball over six times. I felt like him and Jimmy King really reversed roles from that Final Four game against Kentucky because King played real well in this game. He had 15 points, four assists, six boards. He hit a three. Djuan Howard, he was steady but not really memorable. Seven points, seven boards, three assists. Um, Ray Djuan Howard should have got more
0: trouble. touches.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there, man. Ray Jackson, you know, who was in foul trouble the entire game, only had six points, a board, a steal, and an assist. Rob Palenka hit those two threes we talked about. Finished with six points and two boards. He played 17 minutes. Eric Riley, two points, three boards in 14 minutes. They just didn't have the depth that Carolina did. And as we talked about, I think that was one of the biggest reasons Carolina was able to win this game. They were just deeper and fresher when the moments mattered the most deep down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. They were just a much better team. Um, That's why I'm going to stick with my most important player being Donald Williams. He led that team, and then the best player in this game, just like the Kentucky game we talked about earlier, is c Absolutely. All right, you want to move on to the number one seed? Let's do it, man. All right, without further ado, in my opinion, the greatest college basketball game ever. I don't know if that's a bold statement. I don't know if that's recency bias, but after watching it live and then twice over the last 24 hours, I think UNC-Villanova in 2016, UNC winning 77-74, is probably the best college basketball game I've ever seen. God damn it was so all, in all.
1: And it's a, di- it's a different era. So I understand you know, there being cases for the Magic Bird game and some other games, that, and, and I totally get it. But just watch how clean this game was. How well coached it was. I give the officiating a lot of credit in this game. And where were you? Where did you watch this game? This
0: was four years ago. I believe I was in college. Okay. Uh, I watched it from my dorm room. That that was a lot of fun with, with a lot of, uh, I think we had a party for this one, so that, that was a lot of fun. Was I in my were dorm you room? And, or was I my were you in Nova. Remember. Yeah, oh, fuck yeah. I mean, I went yeah. to St. John's, of course.
1: I was just trying to to see how, like, anti them you are. But you know what? At the end,
0: I tried to to justify to myself saying, you know, I'm happy that there is a team that's getting recognized out of the Big East. Hopefully they can hold on to the summer. And they won again in 2018, so they're repping the Big East pretty well. So I was happy about that. But I still didn't want them to win. That was just kind of how I justified it um, post-win.
1: No, I understand that. The reason I ask is because I always associate St. John hatred directly towards Georgetown.
0: Well, yeah, of course. They're the biggest rival going back to Ewing and Mullen. But, you know, this is still a Big East team. UNC, we got nothing against them. So that's why I rooted for them. Um, First thing I wrote down, probably... And, and it might be why it resulted in one of the best games of all time, probably the most evenly matched of all these games that we've talked about, including the semifinal games. Just talent on both sides and coaching on both sides. Yeah, I, absolutely. Williams has a championship with Kansas, and he has another, what, two with UNC. He got one with Tyler Hansborough. What was that, 2006 or something like that?
1: Oh nine, he won with Hansborough, and then
0: they won in seventeen. Yep. So and exactly. then you have and then you have um, what's his name? I see his beautiful hair. Jay, Jay Wright. Jay Wright, who I want to be the next head coach. That's that's I'm still clamoring for that. Um, he's got two championships, and this was his first one. Well, and, and to
1: go off of that, man, I'm glad you were able to segue that. That's why we're so good together here on this pod. Even when we're not together, is. I was going to say, this game was really his get-the-monkey-off-my-back moment because if you were, if you recall, he had great teams through the mid-2000s, late-2000s, into the 2010s that just constantly choked in the tournament.
0: Oh, yeah, some the good players teams, as well.
1: Two, two seeds, three seeds. I mean, UConn beat them in the round of 32 in 2014. UConn was not the better team. And they smoked them. And they were just, you know, completely outplayed and coached by UConn. And so Jay Wright goes finally on this magical tour in 2016, gets past the Elite Eight, gets into the Final Four, wins their game in the national semifinal. I believe it was Oklahoma, right? Yep. Yep. And then they get to the national title game, and you're just saying, a buddy finally, deal. let's not have this guy be known as one of the greatest coaches to never win a championship. Because I do believe that if they don't win this game, even though North Carolina was great and they were the favorite, they were the one seed, Bill Nova was a two, if Nova doesn't win this game, I don't know if Jay Wright wins two years later. Because yeah. that's a lot of burden to carry.
0: Tough for tough recruiting as well.
1: It's tough. So, yeah. give me some of your big takeaways from this game. You know, just you mentioned the, the the balanced attack, the the comparable players and coaching. What stood out to you most? Let's start in the first half.
0: First half, a couple early bad fouls by UNC, but they cleaned it up early on. First thing I noticed was that UNC has an All American big man that's got about three inches on anybody in there, in uh, Johnson. And they were not getting him involved. They didn't get him involved at all during the game. And I think that's one, a credit to Villanova because they denied the ball and the entry passes so well. Great coaching there by Jay Wright and great defense, great team defense. But I also just think that he wasn't assertive enough because I think he could have made his stamp on this game early.
1: I do too. And he came, he, he had a couple big moments there in the second half. But you're right. He was, Bryce Johnson was ready to be the player of. The game early, and he didn't get he didn't really get involved. I have here Nova's up two at the under twelve timeout with six forty six to go. UNC's up by two. They were five of seven early from three, and they hit some crazy shots. That's a credit to Barry Jackson. Yeah, Barry and Justin Jackson here. He goes three of four from three, hits three in a row in the first half, and you're thinking this guy is just gonna be the best shooter and player in this game. In the second half, he was—he did his best. We'll just call it the best Jeff Green impersonation. He was MIA. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything. But in that first half, it was like, shit, this guy can have whatever he wants. Marcus Page hit a shot there, and uh, and Barry, as you mentioned. We get to halftime, and um, we're, we're talking about here, you know, Villanova is down by five. And they played a really good first half. It just seemed like North Carolina was able to make every single shot they want.
0: Yeah, um, you I'm looking at. I'm looking at the game stats right now. Um, Villanova's got North Carolina in the field goal percentage as well as the free throw percentage. Is your two key stats. Um, but the thing that kept North Carolina in this game and the reason why it took all the way to a game winner at the buzzer to win this game was their three point shooting. I mean they shot 64 percent 11 of 17 for the game
1: that'll do it that'll absolutely do it and especially in that first half starting five of seven some of those were really heavily contested shots not to
0: mention their final three of the game which yeah. was a circus oh my God, shot
1: marcus page three yeah we'll talk about that later on let's get into the second half here buddy so At the under twelve timeout, Villanova's up three. They're saving off a couple of big time moments. Justin Jackson's not doing anything, so they're getting kind of a break there. I think another thing.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think another thing um, that was huge right before the half was UNC went on a big run there to to end the half. But then Brunson went on and hit a was it Brunson went on to hit a buzzer beater or a three or something. Yeah. Um, just to stop it right before.
1: Yeah, you're right. Good good
0: call by you. Well, it wasn't Brunson. Like it, was, was... it was, um, it was, what's it was his Bridget. name? It was, it was Booth, Phil Booth. No, Bridges, oh, was, Booth. Okay. Bridges was one was, of the three B's. It's just a nice foreshadow to his career thus far. Bridges had two points in this game. <laughs>
1: yeah, he... He was not he was not a focal point but josh hart had a good game and you know again phil booth finished with 20 points yep and he got player. two or three from three one of those being that big three that you mentioned there and good call by you He was a two-pointer at Steve, the
0: buzzer but whatever who cares he hit yeah, two but threes
1: it, it, stopped moment, it stopped momentum it stopped momentum that north carolina had and, and that was at the
0: buzzer difference. stop the bleeding
1: There's a a big difference between five and seven, honestly, to me. Because if you keep it five, you're like, we're a two and a three away from tying this thing. A seven is you need three straight possessions of scoring at least. And, you know, that's sometimes a little bit more challenging. So, as I mentioned, at the under-12 timeout, Nova's up three. They had gone on a 13-2 run to eventually take their biggest lead It was 53-46 with just under 10 to go. But Chris Jenkins, who ends up being the hero in this game later on, he picks up a fourth foul with 6.50 to go and Nova up three. That was tough because, again, you're waiting for him to really establish himself in the flow of this game. He had some big moments, made some big shots, but it wasn't consistent because he was always in and out of foul trouble.
0: Yeah, if they didn't go on – if he didn't go on to hit that iconic shot and they didn't win this game, I think we'd be talking about that a lot.
1: I agree with you there. So there's two minutes to go. Nova's up five.
0: Again, Between in the second mid- half, for my opinion, by the way, the theme continues. UNC could not feed their big men.
1: No. No, they couldn't. And and Kennedy Meeks, he finishes up with seven boards. Isaiah Ickes, only four boards. Each of them had only four points. But you were begging these guys, but I I honestly, man, I give Ochefu a lot of credit for Nova because he was tired in this game. You saw him calling for timeouts or doing his Larry Johnson imitation of needing a couple seconds for a breather, but he stood his ground and played really good defense late in this game when he was kind of running on empty.
0: Yeah, Kennedy Meeks, um, I agree with you. Ochefu had a great game. Kennedy Meeks made much more of an impact when they won the national championship the year later. He did.
1: And he was an interesting player. He kept waiting for him to get in shape and Roy Williams. I think they still are because he's in down.
0: the D league right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was a good, really good player as far as talent, but he wasn't able to untap it until like you said, the year later where he was a hero on that team that beat Gonzaga and uh, if memory serves me correctly, he had a really good game against Kentucky yep. in that game where, um, who was it? the the, the white boy there for, for North Carolina hit that big shot.
0: His name's escaping me now. I see his face, but I can't remember it. Got the beard. Yeah. And, I know who you're talking we, we about. Might, yeah. We might
1: remember it at the end of this. Who knows? But in this game, he wasn't great, but he was physical. We have a minute to go. And, Right now, we've got Bryce Johnson, who hits a shot to make it a one-point game. It's 70-69. to 69. Josh Hart's fouled with 13.4 seconds left. He makes both free throws. Nova's now up three. And here comes, the honestly, to me, man, one of the greatest sequences in college basketball history because of the importance of the moment, how little time was left, and just you talk about momentum being taken away on both sides was it luke may Was that it? Brazilian. luke may well done baby well i didn't done, even yeah. i was
0: in the midst of googling it but then it just came to me thank you
1: well done baby well done yeah he hit that he's talking shit again. about names kentucky <laughs> i'll give you credit for that one for sure that definitely doesn't uh that definitely doesn't save you from all the other blunders you've had but that was a good recovery well done yeah, he hit that shot against Kentucky in that game where Malik Monk hit a couple big three. That was a great game too. That was an elite eight game. Yeah, De'Aaron um,
0: Fox too.
1: Yes, yeah, De'Aaron Fox. That's right. Who went on his kind of uh, tour de force there? But um, but as far as going back to this game, Marcus Page, First of all, the fact he got the ball, there was a. It looked like a steal by Ochefu, who just missed it. Go for the pass, missed it, and as time is winding down page has to readjust in midair and hit just an unbelievably crazy circus three he couldn't even believe he made it yeah and that's with 4.6 seconds how did you feel when he hit that shot i mean that was insane
0: i mean of course sitting there thinking not knowing what was coming next i was like you know, that's that's right up there with Leitner's shot and, and Chalmers' shot is one of the greatest shots in the history of college basketball. And I believe one of my favorite announcers of all time, Bill Rafferty, or, or um, Jim Nance, was like, oh, that's going to be, you know, a snapshot in one shining moment, blah, blah, blah. Little did they know. Little did they know. Little did and we know, too. So,
1: so damn quick. Because you're thinking, this is, like you said, this is one of the greatest shots in finals or NCAA tournament history, and we're going to have an overtime for the ages.
0: And I like how Rafferty... you knew... They panned... I wrote this down. They panned to MJ, who was going nuts in the crowd, and Rafferty called him the kid. I love that.
1: That is awesome. Yeah, Rafferty's great. He's, he's out of his mind, but he's fun, man. Yeah. He is. And, you know... That three-man booth that they've got now, Nance bringing in Raftery and Grant Hill, I think they do a really good job.
0: Oh, yeah. couldn't agree more.
1: Okay. So, that's another great part about this game, the the broadcasting. So, okay. So, you think this game's heading into overtime. It's one of the greatest shots you can imagine. And Villanova collects itself.
0: Calls timeout. And
1: calls timeout, gets everything in order.
0: Jay Wright drives and up the greatest play of his life.
1: It was a tremendous play because Archie Diacono was having a game, my friend. He was really good. I mean, 15, he finished with 16
0: points. 16, I'm sorry. 16 points
1: and hit two threes, and he was super aggressive. So you knew he had the range. He had the ability to separate from his defender and make a shot. But here comes Jenkins flanking him. And Archie Diakono is able to offload the pass to him kind of rugby style. And Jenkins, who the announcers were talking about at nauseam all game about how he has this unlimited range, pulls up from about four feet outside the three-point line as as the buzzer sounds, clock expires, and drains it to win the national championship. That whole sequence, that shot, that play drawn up by Jay Wright, i mean i remember watching it i was at home with uh, at a different place so you can't make any frenchy comments with a couple old roommates at the time i was like this is one of the greatest moments in sports history and i couldn't believe it
0: yeah i mean how many times are there a buzzer beater to win an nba game or to win an nba finals i don't think there are ever is. is there no
1: no finals games closest is finals. ray
0: allen with the heat
1: right and that was a game and that was that was to tie it and that was in game six
0: yeah and that was to send it to game seven I, from what I remember um, yeah and, and then it then,
1: wasn't a winner it was it was, it a, was tie a tire it was, yeah it, it,
0: yeah 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 no I mean that shot was iconic it, it was shocking when it happened and you know I was happy for Villanova what a game
1: what a game is right and we talked about his foul trouble. But Chris Jenkins did finish up with that 3 finishing with 14 points, 2 boards and shot 2 of 4 from 3 with one of if not the most important the most important shots of, in in, in NCA history.
0: Yep. All right, so let's look let's look on to the most important player in this game. I and this was a real team game because I have four listed here, and to be honest, I needed your help making this decision because I didn't know. I got Jenkins, Archie Diacono, Phil Booth, and Josh Hart.
1: Shit, man. How do you argue with it? I mean, we hate for this to happen for our best game ever, having to kind of do a team effort, but that's really what it was. I mean, I guess we can just say Chris Jenkins because yeah. he,
0: hit, he hit the shot. He hit the
1: shot. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say Chris Jenkins to not be a pussy. But hmm. Archie Diacono, like we said, finished with 16. Hart finishes with 12 points, eight boards of steal, and a block, one of three from three. You talked about Phil Booth hitting that, that jump shot from, a, I believe it was the foul line to end the first half. He yeah, 20. 20 points, yeah, 20 points, two boards, two of two from three, and played 25 minutes. Mikael Bridges, as you said, really didn't do anything. Quiet. Two points in 15 minutes. Um. Chris Jenkins, I mean that shot is going to resonate. Jalen Brunson had four points. He, he was not very. He's he was uh, a bigger
0: player in eighteen.
1: Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't instrumental in this game, but he didn't really have to. And Daniel Ochefu, I, I I he played a lot of big moments. He's one of those quintessential guys who, on a championship team, you look back and say he was the third or fourth best player. He finished with, with nine point six boards and two blocks. But no, I appreciate you, know, you giving him to
0: love. To, he deserves it.
1: Stay in that game when he's shot and gassed, and and not and and guarding and not make you know, dumb fouls. Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks for North Carolina, who are big boys.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I'm gonna go with Jenkins as well as kind of a cop out. Don't want to be a pussy pick, and then for my best player or most talented, whatever, best career. It's still early for all these guys, but. I combed up and down the roster. A lot of D-League guys, a lot of fringe NBA guys. The best player so far has been Josh Hart. He's played the most. Yep,
1: Yep. I'm in complete agreement with you there, my friend. I mean, Justin Jackson's had moments.
0: Yeah, but uh, he's been in and out of the G League. He's already on his second team. I mean, you have Brunson. He's been with the Mavericks. You have Archie Diacono in and out of the D League. He's with the Chicago Bulls now. Really on on the other side, it's just Jackson.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't refuting the Josh Hart pick at all. I mean, he's mine too, but Justin Jackson's had some moments, and I still feel like even quiet. saw in this game, his shot is so pure that if he gets himself into the right situation, he could be a nice player.
0: Yeah, he's playing good minutes on the map Well, before this shit all happened, he was playing decent minutes on the maps. It's just the most impact player, we both agree, Josh Hart.
1: Josh Hart. Okay, so this game was fucking awesome. Those the are best college basketball great. game
0: of all time. I'm saying it. I don't care that I haven't seen You did. You around. did
1: say last night that that Duke UNLV game might have been.
0: No, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> After watching this well, twice.
1: Well, when you have the, the tournament on the line, you know, the championship on the line, as opposed to a chance to play for the championship on the line, uh, obviously that changes things. We each have an honorable mention here. That didn't crack our top three, but they were tremendous games, and anybody listening should go watch them. Tom, I want you to lead off. What's your honorable mention for a national championship game of the Um, last 30
0: years? I mentioned this one to you, the 2010 national championship, kind of when Butler got over the hump. It was That's another Big East team there for you. Um, It was Butler against Duke. This was kind of when Coach K crossed over into the one-and-done era, I guess you would say. He had the big three freshmen there against Gordon Hayward. Um, came down to the wire. Gordon Hayward almost hit a half-court shot. I think it just rimmed out to win it. Um, just an overall fun game. Um, Justice Winslow, what was it, Tyler Johnson, or what the hell is his name? He, he played to- with the Timberwolves, and then obviously you have Jaleel Okafor, who... At that point, everybody was saying was the number one overall pick. Obviously, over the over the summer and whatnot, before the NBA draft, Carl Anthony Towns was proven, and I, I think that's the Minnesota Timberwolves' main decision. I
1: am pulling up the game stats for you right now, sir. So for Duke, you had you didn't have either of those guys, man. I mean, you had Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, who was probably the most... Oh, I'm talking about the wrong game. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got John Shire, Lance Thomas, and Brian Zubek surrounded at the starting five. You had Miles Plumley and Mason Plumley both on this team, and Andre Dawkins as well. So, stat-wise, you had Singler, who finished with 19, Nolan Smith finished with 13, John Shire finished with 15, Thomas 6, Zubek 8. And on the other end, you had Butler, who started Gordon Hayward, who only had 12, missed that big-time shot, like you said. And Sheldon Mack, who's an NBA guy, he's been in and out of the G League. He had 12.
0: I got my games wrong. I'm sorry. Jesus. I think you were talking about the 2015 Duke team that
1: ended up winning it all. Mm -hmm. They beat Wisconsin um, after Wisconsin pulled the upset over Kentucky, like you said. But, yeah, no, this 2010 game was great because it was played in Indianapolis like a stone's throw away from Butler's campus. and. They hung in there, man. I mean, Duke won by two, and if that three goes in, that half-court heave by by Hayward that hit the backboard, went halfway down, and came back out. Chris Jenkins, I love you. Your three doesn't stack up to that.
0: No, no, not at all. My honorable mention
1: is UConn-Duke 99, and I don't want to hear any homer pick bullshit. You, I told you about this game. Did you watch it or, or, or look at it at all?
0: Nope, I did not.
1: All right. Well, so why don't you I'm go ahead, gonna, bud? I'm, I appreciate that. I'm not going <laughs> to give you any shit because I noticed I didn't put the 2011 or 14 UConn teams in here because those weren't. Those were the 2011 game. Honestly, was one of the worst national championship games of all time. It was UConn Butler, and it was absolutely heinous. It, no team deserved to win. And then 2014, UConn beat Kentucky. That was an all right game, but it, it wasn't an all-timer by any stretch. But this one was, 99. UConn gets its first championship ever. Let me read you who Duke has on their team. Trajan Langdon, who spent 12 years in the NBA, 25 points. He was a Nets exec last year. He's now with the Pelicans. Trajan for 25. Motherfucker goes 5-10 from 3. I don't know if you've heard of Elton Brand. He was the primary player on this team. He had 15 points and 13 boards. Shane Battier, who is a freshman, 6 points, 4 boards, a couple assists. Corey Maggette doesn't even start on this team as a freshman. 8 points and uh, nothing really else. But, obviously... Just a stat team overall. UConn, Richard Hamilton finished with 27. Again, like I said before, you know, they, he was just a guy that was able to get a shot whenever the hell he wanted, and even though it was a pretty balanced attack. You have Ricky Moore with 13 points, Kevin Freeman with six, Khalid El-Amin, who was the starting point guard with 12. You go to the bench. Albert Mooring, six points. Edmund Saunders, four points. Suleiman Wan.
0: Are you going to cry right now? Jesus Christ, we get it. They won.
1: Roswell Jones, three. I'm not going to cry. This is an awesome game because the flow of this game was great the entire time. How old were you? At that point, I was seven.
0: I'm sure you really enjoyed that game as a seven-year-old. No, but I re
1: it and enjoyed it a lot. Listen, just because you don't have any moments as a Shane Johns fan. But no, dude, honestly, great game. Because two really damn good teams, couple NBA guys here that have really nice careers. And you talk about a great college basketball team. UConn had lost to North Carolina the year before in the Elite Eight. And they all five starting Guys from the year before come back as starters the next year. I think what's cool about that is you're not going to see that that much more often. Like it, it doesn't happen in today's game. Two or three of those guys, especially Hamilton, would have left early. 77-74 UConn. Khalid Alamein makes two free throws when UConn's up one. Duke has a chance to tie. You're going to get the ball to Langdon, who had made those five threes, and he trips up the floor. And UConn wins their first championship. And uh, that was a great game, but it didn't crack my top three.
0: Oh, we're still recording. Sorry, I fell asleep.
1: You're such a dick. You're such a dick. (laughs) You're such a dick. (laughs) Listen, if you want to go back to 1984 and talk to me about how Chris Mullen lost the Final Four, I'd love to hear.
0: (laughs) I wasn't alive then. It's sad. Well,
1: then, you know, it is what it is. I'm being objective here. You even gave my UConn pick shit last night. Until you were like, "Yeah, that was a good game."
0: <laughs> You're so mad right now. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you—how far along are you on Tiger King, buddy? Have you watched any more since last no. since last night?
1: Oh, no, I real- finished Brock Meyer, though. That was real good.
0: Oh, Brock Myers, that announcer thing?
1: Yeah, it was. It, it's a it's a good show.
0: Yeah, I got to get around to that one. Um, listen, your assignment for the, before the next time we record, which should probably be later this week is to finish Tiger King. Okay. I know aside from training a few clients, you don't really have anything else to do. So get on that. <laughs> um, a few things. Did I mention that? I watch, I was rewatching Ozark. That's a good show. I have to recommend to everybody. And then I watched something else on Netflix. I don't know if you came across it. It's called the platform. I watched that, um, maybe last week. I haven't seen it. No, um, it's an interesting one. I I haven't decided if it was the best movie I've ever seen or the worst. So <laughs> well, that's a big gap. Let me tell you, it was it was it's a Spanish movie, so it's 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 like dubbed over or whatever you want to call it in English. But Netflix does a really good job with that. I have to give them credit. You really once you get into the movie after like three minutes, you really don't notice. So, no complaint there. Just maybe the overall movie and the ending. Um, it's a weird one, but I, I would recommend it to watch. Maybe if you need to uh, reflect on a few things and think about a few things. But, yeah, I can't really decide if it's the greatest movie or the worst. I also saw Us uh, recently, which I had not seen. was a little bit disappointed in that movie. How so? You know, P- um What's his name? Jordan Peele. He came out with um, Get Out, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time, I have to be honest with you. And I was just expecting more out of Us, honestly. It was just a disappointing movie.
1: I I mean, I thought Get Out was one of the greatest things I've ever seen, too, uh, and I I hadn't gotten around to this one, so that's why I asked, like, why was this? Maybe I'm expecting too much out of him.
0: but it's still a good movie. I would definitely recommend you see it. I think it's free on HBO. Um, but again, like I, I just not as great as Get Out.
1: What's next for you? What what shows are you looking to tap into coming up?
0: Um, yes. gonna keep it up with Ozark. Let me see. I actually have a list here for you. We're not that far into the pod. And what else does anybody have to do? Um, I really yeah. I list. gave my
1: Yukon ninety 99- nine you know, complete in depth thing. So I think you can go for a while on shows.
0: Um, there's a show called Crip Camp on Netflix about cripples. That looks pretty good. Something called The Stranger. Um, I've never seen West Wing. I've seen um what's it what's 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 the hell? House of Cards. I saw House of Cards um up until Kevin Costner got in trouble for diddling. That's Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. I'm sorry, Kevin Costner. Don't be giving Kevin Costner false
1: False accusations
0: man Yeah sorry Kevin Costner Kevin Spacey You know I'm not good with names Um, uh, He got in trouble for diddling So I stopped watching the show Because he was kind of the main character Um, The Black Mirror I haven't seen all of that one The 7-5 There's a Miles Davis documentary on Netflix I'd like to see As well as a Woodstock documentary That one sounds right in your fucking wheelhouse Sean Uh, Which Um, one was it?
1: Because I've seen a few
0: Oh okay um and then i've never seen the night of so i'd like to watch that that would tell me which one it
1: is like what's the name of it
0: the woodstock one yeah oh i don't know i just wrote woodstock down in my little journal here (laughs) it's on netflix just look for it i mean come on everybody's got netflix uh jim and andy i don't know if you saw that one it was about jim uh carrey playing a role that kind of fucked him up in the head no uh, and then there's a HBO series with the guy from Big Fat Liar and Billions. What the hell is his name? I don't remember. Um, oh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he de- plays John Adams. And that I'm a, I'm not as much of a history buff as you are, but I, I definitely am into history. And that one seemed like an interesting one. My mom you know, actually I remember- recommended that one.
1: You know, I remember when that was on, and I, I saw snippets of a few episodes, but I never got into it. I, I feel like he would be really good in that role, because um, he's done so much. I just love that you mentioned him as Big Fat Liar. Like, that's that's great. That movie, Everything that movie's done. an all-timer for me. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So, yeah, watch now, Big Fat Liar. Muted, that's another recommendation. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Frankie Muniz fell off a cliff. I don't know if you've seen Amanda Bynes lately, but if you want to feel better about yourself, just Google Amanda Bynes. <laughs> Although she's probably got a lot more money than me, um, I think I'm doing better life wise right now. Until the um, until the uh, until the
1: the blonde hair that you're doing.
0: Until my vacuum breaks or something, because then I may just fucking go insane. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, last thing on SorrySports.com, I uploaded it right before we jumped on for this podcast. Um, Your 1990 through 2019 Yankees list. Yeah, that was fun to do. Uh, Honestly, I
1: thought our pod was really fun. Like I said last night, that was was really good. I just wanted to condense it into each decade and... um, do you want to give the audience uh, a little tease for what we're going to be doing for our next pod to generate content
0: later in the week? Sean and I haven't really nailed down a day, but we are going to be doing a Knicks and Nets centric podcast. Um, yeah, that's all I really have. I don't, I don't really remember what we talked about, to be honest. Um, <laughs> You're the CEO.
1: Come on, maybe
0: I'm a big Let's, picture guy. You're the CEO. What are we talking about? Yeah, that's true. That's,
1: that's true. So what we're going to do is we're going to, keep the theme since 1990 and we're giving our top five scenarios for this could be good or bad.
0: It can be good or bad.
1: It can be an on the court thing and off the court thing. I'm going to name my honorable
0: mention right now, just because I need to blow my load right now. James, James Dolan getting coronavirus. (laughs) I'm just saying
1: that shouldn't make your list, but, yeah, so it could be a draft pick, it could be a trade, it could be a free agent signing, it could be a non-free agent signing, it could be a botched draft pick, it, it could be a lot of different things that set the teams up for where they are, and let's be honest, I know the Nets have a bright future, but it's certainly clouded, and neither of these teams have had a good history, so it's not like we're operating upon, you know, one of us being on a, on a high chair while the other one is sitting on the floor. Uh no. There's a lot, but there, when you do dissect it, there's a lot of things that could have happened for both franchises or things that did happen for both franchises that led to where they currently are. And things would be very different. Let's just put it that way. If different, if different scenarios played out.
0: Absolutely, man. And then following that, obviously you mentioned, um, Frenchie coming up. The draft is in what a little under two weeks, seven, 17 days. Two okay, weeks, so a little over Thursday. two weeks. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to be doing some general NBA, NFL, and MLB pods probably before that. We're going to have another list kind of thing. This will be more current day, but it's gonna. I'm really excited for that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, me too, man. I mean, I, I, you know, we're going to be able to figure everything out. Everyone else doing sports pods are doing the same. We can look back on history. And oh, you don't things. have to make excuses
0: for us doing this. We're giving the people what they want. They need some content.
1: Uh, I agree. And we're going to look back on history on some things. We're going to look at current day. I mean, I think we can analyze all the New York centric teams and see who has the greatest future coming up in the short term and talk about each scenario there. I think that could be fun. We'll, we'll, we'll bring it to you guys. We're good.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, so Tom, about, keep
1: the music coming, baby. You've been on a roll.
0: We'll do, we'll do. That about wraps this pot up. We'll be back later in the week. Everybody again. Can't say it enough, stay inside.
1: Stay safe, stay inside, be good.